The personal stories expressed in this series reflect the true experiences and opinions of the guests and may not represent the official position of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Elder M. Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said, There is hope for the addicted, and this hope comes through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and by humbling oneself before God, pleading to be freed of the bondage of addiction and offering our whole soul to Him in fervent prayer. Priesthood leaders can help as those who have addiction seek counsel from them. Where necessary, they can refer them to qualified licensed counselors and LDS family services. The addiction recovery program adapted from the original 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is readily available through LDS Family Services. In this series, you will hear actual meetings discussing each of the gospel principles of addiction recovery and healing. Addiction recovery meetings have strict guidelines of confidentiality and anonymity. These podcasts may seem contradictory to such standards. All the participants in these meetings are active participants in the addiction recovery program and have willingly volunteered to participate. Their experiences are genuine and not fabricated. These recordings were created with the express purpose of providing a way for individuals who are isolated from recovery groups to participate, as well as provide an example to church leaders and members of a typical meeting. In today's meeting, we will discuss Step 2, Hope. Welcome to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meeting. I am Elder Ennis. I am serving as missionary group leader this evening. I see that we have a couple new faces in our group this evening. I uh, would like to take a moment to go around the room and uh, introduce ourselves. We'll start here at my left, and we'll go clockwise around the circle. My name is Robert, and I'm an addict. Hi, Robert. Hi, Robert. Hi, Robert. Hi I'm Scott, and I'm a recovering pornography addict. Hey, Scott. Hi, Scott. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm a recovering heroin addict. Hi, Hi Steve. Thanks. I'm Abra. I'm a recovering addict. Hey, Abra. Hi, Abra. I'm Cammie. I'm a recovering addict. Hi, Cammie. Hi, Cammie. I'm Scott, and I'm a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. Hi, Scott. I'm Karen, and I'm a recovering drug addict. Hi, Karen. I'm Rich, and I'm a recovering drug addict. Hi, Rich. My name is Dub. I'm a uh, son of God and a full-blown drug addict and a real alcoholic. Hi, Dub. Hi, Dub. Would someone please volunteer to open with prayer? I'll do that. Thanks, Bill. Our kind, loving, eternal Father in heaven. Father, we're so grateful that you and the brethren were able to bring these 12-step meetings into the house of the Lord where we might be able to hear the still, small voice of the Holy Ghost and even feel the embrace of thy son, our brother, Jesus Christ. And Father, bless us this night that we may have a softened heart, that our minds may be quickened, and our tongues loose, that we can share those things honestly as a group. And Father, as always, we acknowledge all of our wonderful tender mercy and serendipity blessings through thy hand and thy son's hand. And Father, a special blessing tonight to our brothers and sisters who are still out there researching their addictions, that they may be touched and sometime join us in the future that we might be able to unconditionally love and fellowship them. And Father, we ask all these blessings with gratitude in our heart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In, in his name, amen. 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 Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meetings assists those who desire to recover from addiction. We also welcome family and friends whose lives may be affected by the addiction of another. We are a group of brothers and sisters who share our experience, faith, and hope as we study and apply the principles of the gospel as they correlate with the 12 steps of recovery. Our meetings provide a safe place for honest sharing because we adhere to the principles of confidentiality and anonymity. 
and we use appropriate language and behavior to invite the Spirit to be with us. As we practice these 12 steps in our lives, we receive power through the Atonement of Jesus Christ to overcome addiction and receive the full blessings of the gospel. Family and friends who practice these same 12 steps will also find hope and healing for themselves. We will now go around the room and read each of the 12 steps found on page Roman numeral number 4. We invite each person who is willing to read one step. It is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. We'll go ahead and start here at my right, and we'll go counterclockwise. Thank you. Step one, we admit that we of ourselves are powerless to overcome our addictions and that our lives have become unmanageable. Step two, come to believe that the power of God can restore you to complete spiritual health. Step three, decide to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Step four, make a searching and fearless written moral inventory of yourself. Step five, admit to yourself, to your Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to proper priesthood authority, and to another person the exact nature of your wrongs. Step six, become entirely ready to have God remove all your character weaknesses. Step seven, humbly ask Heavenly Father to remove your shortcomings. Step eight, make a written list of all persons you have harmed and become willing to make restitution to them. Step nine, wherever possible, make direct restitution to all persons you have harmed. Step ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when you are wrong, promptly admit it. Step eleven, seek through prayer and meditation to know the Lord's will and have the power to carry it out. Step twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Share this message with others and practice these principles in all you do. Thank you. Each week we focus on a different step. This week we will read step number two, starting on page seven from a guide to addiction recovery and healing. We'll go around the room and each person who is willing may read one to two paragraphs. You may pass if you prefer to listen. We have an extra copy of the guide for you to use in this meeting in case you do not have one. During the reading, listen for thoughts, feelings, and experiences you have in common with those who have taken these steps. We'll continue to pick up where we left off. Step two, hope. Key principle, come to believe that the power of God can restore you to complete spiritual health. When we realized our powerlessness over our addictions, most of us felt stripped of any hope. Those of us who had grown up with no concept of God were certain we had exhausted every avenue of help. Meanwhile, those of us who believed in God were convinced He was too disappointed in us to help. Either way, step two presented us with an answer we had either never considered or else had discarded to turn to God and find hope in the atonement of Jesus Christ. Finally humbled, we reached out for help, following what felt to us like the tiniest ray of hope. We began to attend recovery meetings. When we first came to meetings, we were filled with doubts and fears. We were frightened and possibly even cynical, but at least we came. There we heard men and women honestly describe what their lives had been like, what happened to change them, and what it was like to live in recovery from addiction. We discovered that many of the people we met in the meetings had once felt as hopeless as we felt, but now they were laughing, talking, smiling, attending meetings, praying, reading scriptures, and writing in their recovery journals. Gradually, the principles they shared and practiced started to work for us. As we kept coming back, we began to feel something we had not felt in years. We felt hope. If there was hope for others who had been at the very brink of destruction, maybe there was hope for us too. We were grateful to hear that if we would turn to the Lord, there would be no habit, no addiction, no rebellion, no transgression, no offense exempted from the promise of complete forgiveness. In this atmosphere of faith and testimony, we found hope that began to awaken us to the mercy and power of God. We began to believe that He could deliver us from the bondage of addiction. We followed the example of our recovering friends. We attended meetings, prayed, renewed our activity in the church, and pondered and applied the scriptures and our own miracles began to happen. 
We found ourselves blessed with the grace of Jesus Christ to maintain our abstinence one day at a time. As we took step two, we became willing to replace trust in ourselves and our addictions with faith in the love and power of Jesus Christ. We took this step in our minds and in our hearts, and we experienced the truth that the foundation of recovery from addiction must be spiritual. As you take the steps recommended in this guide, you will experience the same truth. It is worth every effort. This program is spiritual, and it is a program of action. If you follow these principles and allow them to work in your life, you will find yourself being restored to spiritual health through your newfound relationship with the Lord. His Spirit will help you begin to see your choices more honestly and clearly. You will make decisions in harmony with gospel principles. For some of us, this miracle was almost instantaneous. For others, recovery has been more gradual. However it may occur for you, you will eventually be able to say with us that through steadfastness in Christ, you are rescued from addiction and enjoy a perfect brightness of hope. Elder David A. Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles taught of the power of the Lord to help you. We should not underestimate or overlook the power of the Lord's tender mercies. The simpleness, the sweetness, and the constancy of the tender mercies of the Lord will do much to fortify and protect us in the troubled times in which we do now and will yet live. When the words cannot provide the solace we need or express the joy we feel, when it is simply futile to attempt to explain that which is unexplainable, when logic and reason cannot yield adequate understanding about the injustices and iniquities of life, when mortal experience and evaluation are insufficient to produce a desired outcome, and when it seems that perhaps we are so totally alone, truly we are blessed by the tender mercies of the Lord and made mighty even unto the power of deliverance. Some individuals who hear or read this message erroneously may discount or dismiss in their personal lives the availability of the tender mercies of the Lord. We may falsely think that such blessings and gifts are reserved for other people who appear to be more righteous or who serve in visible church callings. I testify that the tender mercies of the Lord are available to all of us and that the Redeemer of Israel is eager to bestow such gifts upon us. You will see the tender mercies of the Lord in your own lives as you learn to watch for them and as you come to believe that the power of God can indeed help you recover. Thank you. These 12 steps are a program of action. As we read the section called Action Steps, we learn about recovery and gospel actions we can take to come unto Christ and receive power to live in recovery from addiction. Let's continue reading the action steps. Pray, read, and ponder the scriptures. As you let go of pride and begin to consider bringing God back into your life, you'll start to think in more prayerful terms. Eventually, you will find yourself ready to kneel and pray aloud. You will find how good it feels to express your feelings and needs to God. You will feel you have reopened a conversation with someone who will always answer you, not always with a yes, but always with love. At last, you'll begin to experience the healing effect of breaking out of a self-imposed isolation. The desire to communicate with God will lead you to study the words of modern and ancient prophets. As you hear of others who found answers in the scriptures, your hope will grow that you can find answers too. As you write your thoughts, you will receive additional impressions from the Spirit. Study prayerfully and the Lord will give you answers to your questions and needs. A great place to begin our study is with each verse at the end of each chapter in this guide. Each verse was selected with recovery in mind, and each question is asked with the hope that it might help us apply the verse to our life. Take a few minutes every day to seek what the Lord desires to communicate to you. Believe in God, the Eternal Father, and in His Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost. Most of us who grew up with some concept of God, and as members of the Church, we at least had some knowledge of Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. We may even have had a simple belief in them, but often we did not connect our personal struggles with our need for God's power in our lives. Can we get an amen? Amen. amen. 
<laughs> Thank you. The action required in step two is simply to become willing to practice believing in the love and mercy of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and the accessibility and blessing of the Holy Ghost. Our testimonies are that you can come to know the perfectly united love of the Godhead by watching for evidence of their love and power in your life and in the lives of others. Thank you. We will now turn the time over to our facilitator, Robert, to conduct the sharing portion of this meeting. Thank you. My name's Robert, and I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Hi, Robert. Robert. Good to be here. Welcome to everybody. I can recall uh, very forcefully how I felt about step two when I came upon it, if you will. Uh, You know, it seems like all these steps mention something about humility, and this one does as well. Finally humbled, we reached out for help. Now, in my case, uh, my experience was that I was sort of compelled to be humble. I was in a jail cell at the time, which was, for me was, uh, was definitely a humbling experience. And it was a good thing. It probably saved my life by being there. But I remember the feeling that I had that uh, I, I really believed, and I, I, my experience tells me that I, I see a lot of other people in our position, that they really came in with... with I had no hope. I was hopelessly addicted with no hope. And I think a lot of us have felt, and certainly I did, that I, had, I must have had some character defect that other people didn't have because I watched people recover, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Well, I finally figured out that, you know, uh, I couldn't do it by myself. You'd think that would be patently, patently obvious to most anybody, but it took me a while to figure that out. And once that I became sufficiently humble that... Uh, became possible to be teachable and to maybe fill just a small portion of the spirit, then slowly but surely that, that hope came in my life. And, uh, you know, it says here that for some of us, the miracle is almost instantaneous. For others, recovery has been more gradual. Well, my recovery from the point where, you know, I gained some hope was just like a freight train. I mean, it just was there and gone, and it was done. By the time I walked out of that, that jail cell, 30 days later or so, I had had a complete uh, transformation, uh, both of heart, of mind, uh, spiritually. And uh, for the first time in my life, I actually had some peace in my life. I hadn't felt peace for as long as I could remember. It was the most amazing feeling to feel peace, feel forgiveness, feel, uh, feel the love of our Savior uh, that I hadn't felt for forever. So tonight, I'm just, you know, step two, I'm just immensely grateful for for that experience, for the enabling power of the atonement that provided uh, me uh, something that I couldn't do for myself. And once you're able to acknowledge and surrender your will, uh, hope comes, at least hope came to me in a hurry. And I'm just... Just so grateful. Life is so good I can hardly stand it. It doesn't mean I don't have problems, but the way I deal with them now are completely different than the way I used to deal with them. And uh, I'll forever be grateful. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 For those of you who have joined us since the meeting began, we welcome you. We will now begin the sharing portion of the meeting. Share about your personal recovery experience as it relates to the tools of recovery, this week's step, or the step you're currently working on. Please focus your sharing on the solution rather than the problem. Refrain from mentioning graphic details about the practice of your addiction. Remember, crosstalk, which is interrupting or commenting directly about another participant's remarks, is not appropriate. Also, it is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. Confidentiality and anonymity foster honesty and make this a safe place to share. Therefore, whom you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let us stay here. Here, here, here. here. In keeping with the principle of anonymity, we invite you to introduce yourself by your first name only. We'll conclude the sharing portion five minutes before the end of the meeting, at 9 o'clock. For final thoughts from uh, Elder Ennis, the time is now yours to share your experience, faith, and hope. We invite you to share three to five minutes. Uh, I will give you a signal if you have used your full time for sharing. In this meeting, we will proceed uh, clockwise, person to person, around the room. 
Who would like to begin the sharing? Hi, everybody. I'm Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Um, I'm a heroin addict, but uh, more importantly today, I'm a recovering heroin addict and a, a love child of God. Um, I, too, uh, was uh, at the end of my rope. Um, you know, with a, an addiction like mine, I had all those uh, wonderful benefits that came along with it, like uh, jail time and uh, uh, court dates. So... So I, 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 too, was humbled. I was able to, to you know, uh, get locked up in, in, the, in the county jail. And, um, you know, I, I was facing an awful long time. I was facing prison time. I had pretty much wiped out my entire life, uh, ruined every, every relationship I had. I mean, I, I, was, I was in jail alone with just me, and I thought that's who who was going to be there is just me, but, but little, little did I know. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I lost everything I owned, um, everything I ever worked hard for. Um, I, I stole from my family and friends. Um, I didn't even think anybody was going to come visit me in jail. So, so I was completely hopeless. Um, I was tore down and beaten up. And my, my life was in shambles. And, I, you know, I was looking to places for hope. I was, I was, I was, I was trying to find hope, but, but I was so sick, I couldn't even, I couldn't even sleep at night. I think, I think the longest I slept for the first two months in jail was an hour a night. And, uh, you know, my life was just, it was, it was in ruins. Um, but, but, you know, I started noticing... Um, some people coming into the jails to, to visit inmates. They had these, these groups in the multi-purpose room. I was wondering what was going on in there. Be, before, before I went to jail this time, I, I'd never, never been introduced to the uh, 12 steps of recovery. Um, so, so I started going into those rooms, and, and they was talking about things that I hadn't heard about in years. I mean, talking about Jesus and, and how, how, how things are are working for them and and uh you know the last time i really uh paid any attention to jesus was when i was younger like it says here in the manual it says uh uh most of us grew up with some concept of god and as members of the church we at least had some knowledge of heavenly father jesus christ and the holy ghost we may even have have had a simple belief in them but often we did not connect our personal struggles with our need for God's power in our lives. Um, as for me, I hadn't really talked to Heavenly Father in years, um, and, and I definitely didn't think I was worthy to receive uh, His grace and His mercy. But, but you know, this, this program led me to the feet of my Savior and it, it sprung what, what is hope in me, and it's still hope in me uh, to this day, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that. It's been almost three years since I first went to jail, and a lot has become of my life uh, since, since that initial uh, reintroduce, being reintroduced to, to my Savior. Uh, the Savior has made so much out of my life. I'm not going to get into it today, but I'll, I'll share a little bit more, more about that later. But, but my hope is in the atonement of, of my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I, I'm so thankful for what he has done for me. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Steve. Steve. I'm Abra. Hi, Abra. Abra. Welcome. I'm a recovering addict. I am. Um, hope for me um, was... Uh, something that I just really didn't have. I, I didn't need it. I didn't think that I needed it. Um, when I was 19 years old, I had gone through a really horrible divorce and um, had gone and lived in a drug house. And, of course, everybody wants to live in a drug house. You know, that's like the best thing <laughs> in the world, right? And I was partying and we had free drugs and life was great. And um, I... 
all of a sudden they're like, oh, this whole group of girls, we're going to go and we're going to move you into this other house. And I'm like, oh, great, more drugs, less people, we're good. And um, so they took, there was four of us, and we went up to this house. And I am not originally from Salt Lake City. I'm from Roosevelt, and I was this little podunk town out in the middle of nowhere. And so I had no idea where we were going. And so we went to uh, Ogden, and I didn't know where Ogden was. And uh, went in this apartment complex, and we lived there for two months, two and a half months. And I had no idea where I was, and they locked the door. There was a deadbolt that had a lock, and it was locked on both sides, and I couldn't get out, and I couldn't go anywhere. And they were grooming us for white slavery. That was pretty horrific. Um, and I remember thinking that I needed to call my mom. I needed to get out of this place. It, it was pretty bad. And I can still remember the words of the prayer I said. I, I had not prayed for years. I didn't think that I had the right to pray. I had no, um, there was no reason why I should have prayed. Uh, the Lord didn't want me. He didn't have any reason to want me. Um, and I just said to my Heavenly Father, I said, I don't know if you're listening to me. I don't know if if I'm worthy to have you listen to me. And But here I am, and I need to get a hold of my mom. I need to get out of this place. And a couple nights later, when they went out at night, they forgot to lock the door. And I called my mom, and I said, I don't know where I am, but this is the name of the place where I am, and this is the number I'm in. And I said, I have to go back, because if they find out I'm gone, they'll kill me. And a couple, I don't know, it wasn't even an hour, I don't think. Um, There she was with my dad, and she bust down the door, and she took me out of there. And didn't stop me from using drugs. That came later. Um, the next morning when the police went there, all the other girls were gone. And a month later they found out that they found one of the other girls and she had died. She had been killed. And that was the first time I had ever known hope in many years. I'd been through an abusive marriage and It's the first time my Heavenly Father let me know that He loved me and He listened to me. And then I found this program um, many years later. Um, And my Heavenly Father shows me every day that I am deserving of hope and His love and that He, He believes in me and that every time that I turn my faith to him and that I give myself to him that I deserve to have hope and love from him and I am so grateful to this program it has saved my life in more ways than one and my heavenly father shows me every day that I'm worthy of that and I'm so grateful to that and I say this in the name of Jesus Christ amen, amen. amen. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, my name's Cami, and I'm a recovering addict um, when I first, um, went to rehab, my dad sent me with, um, a Book of Mormon and I preached my gospel and like for me to read it, of course. And then, um, after I was there a couple of weeks, I got to talk to my mom on the phone and, um, when I would call her, she'd ask me, like, am I doing better? Am I recovering? And is my eating disorder getting better? And uh, I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you know, are you are you praying so Heavenly Father can help you? And I was like, yeah. But I wasn't because I didn't think he could. And I didn't really think that was a necessary, necessary step to to help me with my eating disorder. And then um, almost two years ago when I hit my wall and, like, needed, lost all hope, um, 
my bishop sent me to a therapist at LDS Family Services. And after a couple of weeks of just, um, you know, seeing the bishop and my therapist, Gianna, helping me, and it was going okay, but it was, like, really hard just kind of, like, white-knuckling it. I think that's what they call it. Um, she suggested, she was like, well, Cammy, maybe you should go to um, LDS 12, 12-step program. Um, and at that point, I was kind of willing to do anything because I'd already tried it by myself a bunch of times. And, um, like, Robert was talking about how, like, um, my recovery was just, like, really slow. And I, don't, I had lots of um, tons of relapses. And so I was willing to do anything. And um, so I went to my first um, 12-step meeting, and I brought my friend um, Amy, and she didn't really know I was back with my eating disorder, but I was afraid to go by myself. And um, so she came with me, and that was the first time I felt hope again because um, I listened to everyone sharing their story and how much um, the 12-step program had helped them. And I thought everyone's story was so amazing. And I was like, wow, like, you know, the 12-step program is all about um, turning your will over to your Heavenly Father and Heavenly Father had helped this person with this addiction and this problem. And I was just really amazed. And um, I was just right then, that first night I went to the 12-step program, like, ready. And I, and that day I realized, that night I realized that my Heavenly Father could help me. And I felt so much hope, um, something I do every night because I kind of have a problem sleeping um, because I worry a lot, is I always think of, like, um, like what I'm going to do the next day. And I I remember when I was in my addiction, I would always think of, like, yeah, tomorrow, like, I'm not going to starve myself anymore. And, like, mainly I'm not going to throw up anymore. And I would just feel, like, all this hope. But now, like, I don't even worry about that anymore. I don't worry about, you know trying to be skinny or anything, and I just have so much, I just can't believe how much hope this program has brought into my life, hope for um, living with my Heavenly Father again, and um, it's brought me to, um, you know, taking, um, partaking of the atonement, and yeah, all it took for me was just going to one meeting and just hearing the stories of other people. And um, so I'm grateful for this program and um, the things it's done for my life and the people around me. And I say these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Cammie. My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. Hi, Scott. Scott. Um, when I started this program, uh, I was, like I mentioned last week, I was desperate. I had just come from Southern California where I was living on the streets, and um, <clears throat> my whole life I'd struggled with alcohol and drugs, and the recent time, at that point, I was uh, addicted to crystal meth, and um, it's completely out of my mind, and I, I could not stop. I couldn't function. I couldn't get up. In the morning to work, I was losing. I lost all my, all the every job I had, I lost, and just, you know, I came home to Utah and I was just desperate. And I started coming to these meetings, and I didn't really believe that it was really going to help me. But I just kept coming because I knew I felt a little bit better every time. And um, <clears throat> it was interesting because, like, a couple weeks after I started coming, like something finally clicked and it was uh this quote that's actually here that we just read and there was a missionary that would read this quote at the end of every meeting he pulled it out of his wallet and it's that quote by boyd k packer where it says there is no habit no addiction no rebellion 
no transgression, no offense exempted from the promise of complete forgiveness through the atonement of Jesus Christ. One of the times he read that, I finally clicked in my mind, wait, it applies to me too. You know, I was like, my whole life I just thought, you know, I've done too much. And I realized that there's nothing, because of what he said, that, that's a prophet of God that said that there's nothing that I, have, I could have done that would exempt me from the atonement. And so from there I, I, I gained that glimmer of hope. And it, it helped me so much to just, you know, when times, because times got a lot darker than that, you know, like, you know, like a couple people have shared about their times incarcerated. And I, I ended up at the Utah State Prison and I did six and a half years in the Utah State Prison. And I had that glimmer of hope because of coming to these meetings. I knew where to turn, you know. Just like Steve was saying, I knew where to turn because I'd come to these meetings. You know, once I was there in the prison, I, I knew that I could find hope in these meetings, and I knew that my Heavenly Father could help me with this. And the thing I learned is that this program is about restoration and second chances because I completely lost everything. I was uh, I was married and had two kids, and a house and, you know, everything, and I lost it. And this program has restored to me the things that I've lost. You know, now I'm out of prison, you know, I'm remarried, and I've got so much going for me. And I'm so thankful for this program. You know, I, I would shudder to think of my life without this program because it's like, it's literally like our my second family, you know, the people that... I know in here because I can relate to everybody. It doesn't matter what our addiction is. is we, we all know that hopeless feeling. So when I come in here, I know that you guys know what I've gone through because we've all been through it. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Scott. Scott. Thanks, Scott. My name's Karen. I'm a recovering drug addict. Hey, hi, hi, Karen. And... This step, come to believe that the power of God can restore you to complete spiritual health, was kind of a challenge for me at the beginning, as a lot of you have expressed. Um, Because we're needing to believe in the power of God, and at that point in my life, I was struggling with my relationship with God and felt like he had kind of let me go and was off doing something else, and I was kind of on my own at that point, and I didn't have a whole lot of faith or hope in him or anything else, really. Um, so I started coming to meetings, basically, because somebody told me I had to go. Um, I was forced to go, and it was never something that I did on my own, and I, you know, I wish I had had that desire to quit on my own, but Thank goodness somebody else cared enough about me to make me go. Because <laughs> if you go long enough, eventually it starts to sink in, you know. And I think there's a lot of people that start that way. But um, I like also where it says, come to believe, because that's kind of what made the difference to me. Because hope is not the same thing as knowing something for sure. You know, hope is not the same as a perfect knowledge. And... I think at first I wanted to know for sure, for sure, that everything was going to be okay and that God was there and all this stuff, and I didn't feel like that at all. But I could come to believe that, and I'm still coming to believe that, and it's a process that takes time, and my hope grows stronger and stronger every day. I also noticed the same quote that you did today, Scott, when we were reading about that um, no habit or addiction or offense was exempted from the promise of complete forgiveness. And it reminds me of a scripture, actually, that I learned, I was introduced to in these meetings, actually, and it's in Mosiah 2630, and I don't have it memorized, but it basically says, as often as you will come to me, or as often as you will repent, I will forgive you. And that's basically what it says. And I thought to myself, I also had relapsed so many times, I thought, there's just no way, you know, and what if I relapse again? And 
But that scripture and that this quote here also just really struck me that it said it, you know. As many times as I would do it, he would forgive me. So I couldn't dispute what was there, you know. So there was hope because of that, that I could try again and get up on my feet again. And 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 eventually it stuck, you know. And I did feel that forgiveness come, and I... And it was a struggle, and it took effort, but I did receive that forgiveness for the things that I had done wrong. And with that forgiveness came hope in everything else in my life, not only my hope that I could not have to use these drugs, but my hope that I could overcome the anxiety I was feeling about my home situation. I had hope that Jesus Christ did know me personally, even though I didn't know that. And I had hope that he loved me, even though I didn't know that. And I began to feel these things come gradually more and more until I started feeling. I actually now, I feel like when I come to these meetings, I feel how not only how much he loves me, but how much he loves other people. Like when someone's sharing something, I actually feel that, that Christ loves this person so much. And what an amazing thing that is and how he can possibly know us each and love us each so much I totally don't get but um, I know that he does and I think that's pretty amazing because that's so opposite of how I was feeling when I was using the drugs so um, also lastly I really like the part where it says you can restore you to complete spiritual health because I've really really struggled with um, this because I felt like I was a really spiritual person before I was using drugs. I was always faithful in the gospel. I felt like I had a strong testimony. I went on a mission. I did all this stuff, and I I really felt like I was strong and that I was making good progress. And then when the problems came with the drugs, um, it really shook me and made me think, what was... Who am I? I mean, am I really this terrible of a person that could do this, that could turn my back on all this that I used to have? And I used to feel like really down that I had thrown away so much stuff. But I really like the word restore because I know now that I don't, what I did for the first 20, 30 years of my life before I started using wasn't lost just because I started using when I was 30. Um, it's still there, and I just have a little time period in there where I can't, you know, that I have to kind of learn and grow from, but then I can pick up where I left off, and I don't have to be defined by what I did during those years when I was using, and I don't define myself as a drug addict that it will never, ever amount to anything, and I, I do have a testimony, and I do feel my spiritual health back, and... I can pick up where I left off, and I think that's amazing. And that's totally the power of the atonement that restores us to what what we were. So I have hope in Christ. I feel greatly touched by your testimonies tonight and appreciate what you've all shared as well because it strengthens my hope. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Hi, my name is Rich. Hey, Rich. Hi, Rich. I am a child of God and a recovering drug addict, and I'm grateful to, to be here tonight. Uh, hope and coming to believe is an extremely powerful thing in my life today. Um, I've found that if I don't believe that I can do something, I won't even make the first attempt. I won't even uh, make that first step in the direction that I need to if I don't believe that I can do something. My experience with uh, hope and overcoming addiction took place uh, shortly after I left an inpatient treatment center. I walked into my first LDS 12-step meeting. I walked in and uh, sat down, and I looked around at at all these people and these faces. And being the person that I was at the time, uh, judging, I looked around, and I I was trying to figure out what everybody's problems were, whatever. And I saw this, this one guy sitting across the room from me had this light about him. And I wasn't exactly sure what it was, and 
and I'm thinking, all right, this has got to be an elders quorum president visiting with, you know, somebody in his quorum. Uh, I, I just had this thought, you know, I'm like, this is this is who this is. He's he's not here for, you know, this. And um, the meeting began just just as this meeting began, and he started the sharing portion and said, "Hi, my name is," and introduced himself and said, "I'm a recovering meth addict." At that moment my jaw dropped. I was absolutely stunned. I could not believe that this man in which I could see this light in, um, that I could tell was on fire. The, the gospel was in him. Uh, the atonement of Christ had, had changed him. I didn't believe him at first. And then he began to speak, and he started saying the things in which I had felt there was no way that he could have experienced and known those things if he hadn't been in those depths of darkness that I had been in. And um, during his sharing, there was this moment in which the Spirit whispered to me, Rich, recovery is possible. And I just felt the Spirit confirm that and wash over my entire body. And up until that moment, I didn't believe that it was possible. I didn't believe that you could change. I didn't believe, I didn't have any proof. I didn't have any evidence in front of me. Call me Doubting Thomas, if you will. Um, I did not believe, and I had to see that evidence. And when I saw that evidence, I didn't realize how hard the commitment would be that I, I made, but I made a commitment to do whatever it took to get that same light that I saw in that man. And it has not been easy. It's not easy, but it's been so worth it. And it's possible. It is absolutely possible. Um, I'm grateful for people who are willing to share their experience and their hope. Um, because as I mentioned, for me, I won't even make an attempt if I don't believe that it's possible to do something. So with that, I will bear my testimony that recovery from addiction is possible. That the atonement of Jesus Christ makes it possible that men and women are changed and healed and made whole. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Rich. My name is Dub. Dub. Hey, Dub. Dub. I'm a grateful son of God who has multiple allergies. (laughs) I'm allergic to alcohol, tobacco, drugs, pornography, lust, lying, cheating, stealing, conning, and manipulating. And any time that I spent too much time thinking about one of those allergies, I I would lose my focus, and it was only a matter of time until I broke out. I didn't break out in hives or splotches. I broke out in handcuffs. So (laughs) it was pretty easy to figure that that uh, that was not a good place for me. And step two was 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 very easy uh, i I had faith as a small child i uh, I had filled an honorable mission and had multiple leadership positions in the ward uh, I would get five or six years sobriety and then boom my pride would bust loose those seven deadly sins always come back to haunt me but I can tr- backtrack my addictions or allergies to pride uh you know we we are such suckers for that you know we just we just bite that hook every time the savior uh tries to warn us uh but the old adversaries over on the left shoulder just chirping and saying you're the best you're the best you don't need to change everybody loves you man don't worry about that stuff. It's all going to be good. And then everything you gained, you lost like that. So I started my recovery in, in the northwest corner of New Mexico, a little town named Kirtland, named after Kirtland, Ohio. Uh, Brigham Young sent my uh, relatives down there to uh, trade with the Navajos and raise fruit. And so uh, it was a small Mormon town, and uh, 
I, uh, my dad was the head coach in high school. Uh, he was the head coach in, in football and track. The worst thing that ever happened to me was as soon as he got to be the athletic director when I was a, a, a sophomore in high school, and I had the prettiest little curveball you've ever seen. First thing my dad did was cut baseball out. You know, he said, I don't want my fullback and my wide receivers standing in center field. I want them running track and lifting weights. And uh, during my four years there, we won four state championships in track and football. So it worked out pretty good. Uh, as a quarterback, if you're on a good team, you get some undue credit. If you're on a bad team, you suck, 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 particularly if your dad's the coach. Luckily, I, I was there at the right time and had great teammates, but that just led to my pride bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, so I started my recovery in 1965, and I was in and out of sobriety. And even when I was sober, I never had any serenity. You know, I just had sobriety. I was just hanging on. Uh, my kids and my wife tell me later that they were hoping that I'd go back out and drink and drug because I was really ornery when I was dry. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're back to step two now. And, uh, you know, my, my old AA sponsor back there, uh, Rudy, God rest his soul, was a good old Catholic and a, uh, a Mexican, and he, and he hated us Mormons because he was the minority in that town. But he decided that he would sponsor me anyway. Uh, he said under one condition, that you stop praying to Joseph Smith. <laughs> okay. So anyway, he rode me and rode me, and, and, and I owe... A good portion of my life to him. Then November 4th, 2000, I walked into my first ARP meeting, the Pioneer Stake Center over there, and uh, my mentor, Mark, and my sponsor uh, was the facilitator that day. And he started out his sharing by saying, brothers and sisters, I give you a priesthood promise. Now, that was the first non-AA straight-up meeting I'd ever been in. And believe me, you never heard about a priesthood promise in AA meetings. And don't misunderstand that of, of bad mouth in AA because AA saved my life, period. So anyway, that was November 4th, 2000. And I don't understand this new math because it doesn't work for me. I started my recovery in 65, and November 4th I will have 13 years. So that math doesn't work. There was a lot of years I was out there, including 10 years while I was excommunicated. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know each of you better. Uh, I have felt a wonderful spirit while each of you have shared, and your countenance is just absolutely wonderful when you're talking about the Savior. And that's what I'm addicted to now is light, you know. I was always afraid of the dark, but yet I chose the dark many, many times. So there's only one person in here that I know, but I can tell you all that I love you because we're all in this thing together. We didn't just happen to show up. We didn't just stumble out of the bar. We were called to be here to love and fellowship each other. So thank you to my new family. I say that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Scott. Hi, I'm Scott. Hey, Scott. Hi, Scott. And I'm a recovering addict. I've struggled with an addiction to pornography for 35-plus years. Um, on the subject of hope, I'm caused to think about a, a play that I've seen recently, a musical. It's Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. There's a scene in there where Joseph is in prison, um, basically framed. You may or may not know the story, but he's basically very in very desperate conditions, worried about his life and worrying about what's going to happen. And 
And there's a moment there where he catches the spirit, understands who he is. And there's a line he basically says, the children of Israel are never alone. And I would alter that to say the children of God are never alone. And I'm grateful to know that I am a child of God. Um, One of the biggest things that's helped my recovery start moving along was coming to realize the difference between how Satan talks to me and he does constantly and how God does and the difference between guilt and shame. And I always kind of equated those as the same thing and got them really confused and mixed up. And once I started realizing and God shined some light on that for me, I realized all those negative, isolating depressed feelings that I thought were just guilt for what I had really done wrong. It was all just Satan telling me I was no good. There was no hope. No no one would love me. No no one could trust me. All those things. None of that was coming from God. And once I started realizing what God was telling me, repent, you can change, People do love you. I'm always there for you. All these things that lifted me out of my hopelessness. It was just so huge. Um, I spent a time coming to these meetings where I hadn't realized that, and I got real frustrated, and I kind of had a little bit of a, oh, I know so much. I didn't have the word sobriety, but I, I know so much, and oh, I see so many people that just don't know what I know, but I didn't have sobriety either. And, and once I realized, <laughs> again, that pride entering in there, um, who was filling my head with those thoughts, it's, it it's gave me such power to be able to just say, oh, that's Satan. I don't need to listen to that. And I can just shut it off. And, and now when I hear those voices, which I don't recognize all the time, but when I recognize that is Satan talking to me, it just gives me such power to go, I'm going to listen to God, not you. And I can just turn him off. And it's just so amazing couple other things that really helped bring me hope along the way and I've talked about this last week is how important gratitude is for me if I don't know who I am like Joseph in the prison if he doesn't know that he's a child of God he's a child of Israel he had nothing to base his hope on if I forget who I am if I forget who I am to God and how he feels about me I could begin feeling very alone and very discouraged. Um, even though I've got, uh, thank God, over over your sobriety now, which never I've done in 35 years, um, I still struggle with uh, staying positive, with discouragement, with hopelessness in relationship kind of things. And the 12 steps apply to all these things. And I, and I use these things on a regular basis. If I am not being grateful and I'm not being aware of my relationship to God, I could slip right back into those same things. And whether I act out with my addiction or not, I can go to those same negative places thought-wise and isolating and not sharing my feelings and all those things that, that we just know lead to nowhere good. But if I remember those things, I use some, I refer to them as meditation, but pondering kind of things to get in touch with how I'm feeling and where those feelings are coming from, Satan or God, and then act accordingly. It's just so amazing, the difference. And lastly, for me, service is such a huge thing. Usually, go out. For me, unfortunately, I go out kind of a little bit. I really ought to do this. (laughs) And I come back going, boy, that was so important for me to do that. Usually you see people with a lot more to complain about than I have to complain about anyway. And then in the process, just the spirit of giving, just filled with hope and the love of God. And I'm just, that such, has such a healing power. I, I too am grateful for these, these meetings, even though there was, like I say, a, a period of time where I did not appreciate being here and didn't come simply because they were just too frustrating to me because I just wasn't at a place to hear or to feel the spirit. But now I am grateful for, for them and for the light and knowledge that 
my Heavenly Father has given me, and I bear witness of his love for me and for all of his children, which doesn't leave anyone out, <laughs> which is really good news. And I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Scott. 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 Thanks, Scott. Well, thank you all for your participation. You are an inspiration to me. Elder Ennis, I'm going to give you back the time. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robert. Hi, I'm Elder Ennis. Hi, Elder Ennis. And uh, once again, it's a, an honor to be here with each one of you. Uh, I'm grateful for each one of your stories and for the thoughts and the feelings that you've shared uh, concerning Step 2. Uh, hope, I mean, when it, when it really comes down to it, uh, our Savior Jesus Christ and the hope that He brings, um, that's pretty much the linchpin for the whole program. Him, the power that He possesses uh, to break the chains of addiction, uh, that's what we all are able to hang our hat on and uh, build hope within ourselves from. There's a couple scriptures that I want to share tonight uh, how, and how they relate directly with step two. Um, and knowing that the power of God can restore us to complete spiritual health. Uh, the first one is found in Doctrine and Covenants, section 95, verse 1. And it says, Verily, Thus saith the Lord unto you, whom I love, and whom I love I also chasten, that their sins may be forgiven. For with the chastisement I prepare a way for their deliverance in all things, out of temptation, and I have loved you. If you notice in that scripture, uh, it doesn't say uh, that he prepares a way for their deliverance in some things. It's all things. Um, the Lord's going to let us feel a little bit of a sting. Uh, he has to. He has to allow us to, uh, to feel uh, some of the burden, some of the consequences, before He can release us from the burden uh, within, that, within that chastisement that we feel from Him. Uh, we, can't, we can't mistaken that for anger. We can't mistaken that for a lack of love. In contrary, it, it is because of love that we feel that chastisement. And it's with that chastisement that each of us are able to come together and share, and share our experiences in hope and how they relate to principles of the gospel and recovery so we can reach out and help one another and, and bear one another's burdens. And it really gives us uh, the essence of of what we need as individuals to have empathy and understand and see where others are because there are so many people who are where we once were and we understand and we know and we comprehend. It's a gift. It's a gift from the Lord. The other scripture, uh, Doctrine and Covenants also, section 113, uh, verse, excuse me, section 112, verse 13. And after their temptations and much tribulation, behold, I, the Lord, will feel after them. And if they harden not their hearts and stiffen not their necks against me, they shall be converted, and I will heal them. Unequivocal testimony directly from our Savior that as we go about and as we grovel about, as we humble ourselves, the Lord promises us that He's going to feel after us. He's always there. And as He feels after us, and as we harden not our hearts and we become converted to Him, the promise is that He will heal us. That is the essence of step two, is coming to know and believe that His power, the power that He possesses, has the ability to restore us to reclaim us, to set us free from our bonds, to set us free and break the chains that we are bound with. I testify that the Savior and His atonement knows no bounds. There is no addict among us. There is no addict out there that has traveled beyond His power, beyond His reach. He is all about love. He's the author of liberty in every form. 
and he possesses the power to liberate even the most lost of souls, the most devastated of souls, being able to heal them. I testify of that love. I testify of the reality of that love and the hope that it brings and as it pertains to this step. And I, I'm honored to be able to testify of that. I know these things of myself from the experiences that I have gone through, and I testify of that love of our Savior. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thanks, Elder Odin. You bet. In closing, please remember that what has been shared here is confidential, and the opinions expressed here are those of the individual who expressed them and do not necessarily represent LDS Family Services or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We encourage you to purchase a personal copy of the guide for note-taking during the meetings. We also recommend using the Studying and Understanding and action step sections between meetings to build on what you have heard and experienced in this meeting. Finally, we thank each of you for your participation. Your presence here demonstrates your humility and faith and inspires hope in everyone attending today. Could we please have a volunteer to offer the closing prayer? Our dear, kind, and gracious Heavenly Father, um, we are so grateful to to be here tonight and fellowship one another in our addiction recoveries. Um, we're thankful for the spirit and the testimony that has been born and and the opportunity that we had to to witness uh, everybody's hope here. And, uh, we're thankful for the spirit that attended and, and we pray that uh, we could take a portion of the spirit that we felt and, and draw strength from, from it throughout the week that we might be able to think back on uh, stories in this meeting and, and draw strength from them. And uh, we, we love Thee, and it's a, our desire to serve Thee in all that we do. And we say these things humbly in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Find hope and connect with God and others who understand you through the Church's Addiction Recovery Program. Join us at a virtual or in-person support group meeting. Visit addictionrecovery.com dot church of Jesus Christ dot org to get started.